Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't God good? Can we give him a hand of praise? Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to do. Amen. As we follow you. Amen. As we can go to the word of the Lord today, the book of 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter. 1 Samuel 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. The Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. When they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. When the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people went to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts and dwelt there and dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons Eli of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are they, are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They knew of what God had done. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been unto you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. The Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. Not the Philistines. The Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent, and there was a great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were slain. It's kind of not the end that you thought it would be, reading up to it. But I want to preach to you today from this title, the, the Real Reason. The Real Reason. Turn to a few people, greet them as you're seated today. Man, in, in the ancient times and even today, when tribes or nations would come to the battlegrounds, uh, they would not arrive alone. They obviously brought their weapons and shields and, and nowadays guns. But the most important thing and item that they brought was not the, the sword that was in their hand. The most important thing that they would bring with them was their God. Uh, if, if your God was not with you in battle, then where was your hope of victory? If you went out there of your own and you didn't have God with you, uh, where is your hope going to be? And the representation of their God uh, was usually made up of some kind of uh, metal or, or, or precious metal or gold or uh, formed in, in some way or fashion. You and I, we would call it a, a graven image or an idol. Um, but unto them, that was their God. And so they would bring their God and a representation of their God with them because that's who they served and that's who was going to be with them in the battle. 
And each god they believed in demanded worship to be done in a certain way. No different than uh, our God, the one true God. He, he demands worship and, and holiness and in righteousness. Um, and so speaking of these pagan gods, they could have been all kinds of different ways to worship them. Whether it was reciting words or singing a chant or even certain acts could constitute worship for these gods. Uh, there was no end to the demand uh, of, of these worship for these gods that they would require. Sometimes it would be uh, self-mutilation. Uh, as we see when uh, Elijah was on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, what did they do? They were cutting themselves uh, as an act of worship to, to get the attention of uh, Baal, which uh, never showed up because he does not exist. Uh, and so all of these things, uh, many different facets and forms of, of worship that uh, they could do for these gods. And even one of the most, uh, the greatest acts of worship was to sacrifice your child. To throw them in the fire, to, to, to give them to... Uh, th this God, this statue, this uh, false deity, you would, you would surrender your child and it would be killed as a sacrifice for uh, this God. Uh, the people that would do it, they would do it to satisfy their gods that they serve and get an extra blessing, at least they thought so. And we shake our heads and we think, what, what kind of, of sick and brutal people would sacrifice their children for the name of, of, of a god named Baal. For some golden image where they would just give up their, their newborn and, and, and throw it in the fire uh, as an offering to uh, this god. Well, uh, look around, folks. Not much has really changed. Not much has changed in 3,000 years since we talk about this. Uh, even as sophisticated and as intelligent as you and I are, our societies are today, the truth is we're no different deep down inside. We're all still uh, born of a sinful nature. We're, uh, we're all still carnal and, and corrupted and, and, and bound by sin and wickedness and unrighteousness in this world. That hasn't changed in humanity. We are still the same core wicked person as they were back then. But today we just figured out that if we change the name of the God from Baal to whatever else, convenience is a good name, then it's not all that bad when you worship the God of convenience. We don't get to... We don't call it sacrificing your child. We intelligent people, we give it a big fancy name. We call it abortion. We call it abortion. And we think those people were wicked. How much more intelligent are we and yet we're doing the worse? At least they had to carry it around for nine months. Now we, we make it even easier. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to do it the whole time. You don't even have to have your parents' permission. You don't even have to pay anything for it. You can go and worship the God of convenience uh, here in America uh, without your parents' permission. And, and, and the sad thing is millions and millions of babies are sacrificed uh, unto a false God every single year, all because out of, uh, out of convenience. It's not convenient for me to have this child, and so I'm just going to give it up. Oh, we, we, this world needs Jesus more than ever before, uh, not much has changed. We are still a fallen world, a fallen creature, and we need the hand of God in our life. We need Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus to be poured out upon our lives, our city, and our country, and our world. If we're going to see anything transform uh, in this world, we need to turn to Jesus, not to the government. I never thought that I would see the day where Roe versus Wade would be overturned in this country as much as it was 
uh, cherished and upheld. Um, but it happened this past year, as I'm sure you're all well aware of, and, um, and those that believe abortion is wrong and stand for life celebrate and, and rejoiced uh, over that overturning of that ruling, uh, but maybe thinking that the battle is over. It's over. We got rid of Roe v. Wade, and so that's all good now. But to the contrary, it is far from over. It is far from over. More, more money than ever has been pledged to keep abortions alive. Companies now have said that they will pay for the cost of some of their employee to have an abortion. Even if that means traveling to another state to have it, the companies will send that employee uh, to go and have an abortion. And do you see how committed they are? You see how much entrenched they are to this worship of these false gods and how devoted they are. They're, they're, they're not fair-weathered friends. This really is, is everything for them, and they will do whatever it takes to defend their ground. And just a few weeks ago, our government passed the, the Rights for Marriage Act which is an all-out assault on religious liberties and on the word of God. We thought it was over. Roe v. Wade is gone. So now there's a law, Respect for Marriage Act, and so uh, which means you have to respect the marriage, whatever type of marriage it is. Even if it's an ungodly marriage, uh, you, the law says you have to respect that now. While Roe v. Wade was removed from our government's grips, now our new law states that every type of marriage must be respected, even if it's not a biblical-based marriage. Uh, and if not, you can face consequences because now it's law. Roe v. Wade wasn't law. It was just a, a court ruling. So now there's a law. And so what does that mean for the church? Not sure yet, just passed. What does that mean for those who believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and doesn't respect uh, the marriage between a man and a man or a woman and a woman? What does that mean for those who believe that? Well, we'll find out, won't we? And see, we thought it was over. We thought it was over. What, I, what I'm saying is, is that the fight to, to get this country back under God is far from over. For every step that gets us closer to the word of God, it seems like it's met with two steps pushing us backwards. And politicians don't have the power to bring revival back to America. The church has the power to do that. And if we want to see revival in our city and in our country, and it's left up to us. We are the ones that have the gospel. We are the ones that are commissioned to go and to make disciples of everyone. We can't depend on the politicians or government to turn this world around. If the church doesn't do it, then there's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if we don't do it. Everyone uh, out there, the conservatives think Donald Trump is the savior and they, they want to get him back in there. Well, he's not going to do it. He's not going to turn this nation around. One man is not going to do it because the Bible hasn't commissioned them. The Bible's commissioned the church, the disciples of Jesus Christ to go out and do it. And so until we understand that, help is not coming because we are the help. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the city that sits on a hill that cannot be hid. So now this year, we need to make sure our light shines brighter than ever before. We're taking the, the hand off, the, the cap off, and we're going to make sure that the glory of God is revealed and shine through us never before, like never before, because we are the only hope. We are the only hope for this world and this nation, if, and if we don't understand that and buy into that and re realize that, then there is no other hope. And so if there's going to be any repentance in America and any turning back to God, the church must be there on the front lines fighting for it. Uh, and so which, which side is going to be more devoted and dedicated to their God, the ungodly people or the godly people? They're already passing laws to help them. 
and it's going to affect us. And so what are we going to do when that, when that day comes, if that day comes, which it seems like it's going to come. And so we can't live our head in a, uh, the sand like an ostrich does and, and hope that it all goes away and that we're never touched or persecuted and all that. That's not the way to live. The way to live is, is to wake up in each day and say, i got to get a hold of Jesus today because that's all that matters is my walk with God. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And so every single day, the battle is won or lost depending on how we uh, how we act and, and how we reach out to God. And so sin is worshipped everywhere. Sin is worshipped everywhere in every action. People's lifestyles are a reflection of their worship of their gods. And so uh, how you live your life shows and tells who and what you worship. People that do all these uh, ungodly and unrighteous acts, they're just worshiping uh, the, the God the, of darkness. Whether they realize it or not, if it's not worshiping the Lord and holiness and, and righteousness and the beauty of holiness, uh, then it's, it's worshiping someone else. And so if you're living in moral lifestyles, you're not living for God because God hates sin and sinful deeds. We cannot glorify and honor God if we're doing those things. And so the, the gods that these people would bring the battle with them uh, were gods that they worshipped and they devoted their lives to. Uh, the Philistines, I mean, they had their gods, and they would, they would do whatever every day, every uh, ceremonial act of worship, they would do that, as well as uh, the Israelites were to do that as well. And so why would you bring a god to your battle to fight for you if you never worshipped him? It doesn't seem like you're setting yourself up for success. And so who would he just uh, magically expect the God to fight for you when you did nothing that he asked you to do or submitted to his word or his will? Uh, that's just, uh, you're just hoping on luck and believing on luck there because uh, maybe you uh, went out and got a, a lucky rabbit's foot or a good luck charm and everything should work out. People live their lives like that. It's estimated at least uh, about 20 million Americans believe in the uh, luck of superstition and they carry some lucky thing around with them. Whether it's a rabbit's foot or a coin or, or whatever, something that they believe brings them luck. And they believe that uh, good fortune will find them, and, uh, but without it, uh, they become less fortunate. Aren't you glad that we don't have to carry around some type of rabbit's foot or something, some little trinket that will bring us good fortune today? Aren't you glad that we don't have to put your, uh, our faith in a maybe, uh, our faith and hope in a, a precious commodity? No. Uh, what little faith I have, I'm gonna, not going to put it in a dead, dead animal's foot. No, I'm going to put it in God. I'm going to trust in God. I don't need luck. Why? Because I have Jesus. I have the creator of heaven and earth with me me and inside of me, I don't need some kind of lucky number because I have Jesus with me. Psalms 20 says, uh, now know that I, the Lord, saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of our Lord God. I'm going to place my faith in something that I know is real, something that I can feel. Not a, not a maybe, but a, a promise, a promise that he will never leave me or forsake me. A promise that if I do this and that, that God will be there with me and go before me. And that if I serve him, then he will open up the windows of heaven and rain down gifts from above. We don't need any lucky rabbit's foot for that. That's what found in the word of God. Uh, and that's what we're going to hold to and, and strive to. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the one true living God, the only God, because he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. He is the almighty God, and his name is Jesus. Aren't you thankful you know who Jesus is? Aren't you thankful for the spirit of God to go and side of you and to be with you every step of the way, every situation, no matter how grim or how dark it is, God is there with me and he will be a light unto me. 
But I guess really the difference between us today and those in our text 3,000 years ago is uh, when they would go out, they would carry their, uh, their golden idol, um, whether animals or creatures. The Israelites, they had the Ark of the Covenant, and they obviously knew that that was not God, but God dwelt between the, the, the cherubims on the mercy seat. Um, and so that's uh, as close of a representation that they could get. And obviously God commanded them to, do, to build that. And so they, uh, they prayed to their gods that they uh, would defeat their enemies in battle. Uh, and uh, uh, Israel should never have lost any battle. Because they had the only true living God. They should never have lost any type of battle. But we read accounts in the, in the history of Israel where they did lose battles. And even in our text today where they lost uh, they lost battles, and uh, aren't you thankful that uh, God has already defeated our enemies, uh, that he defeated them at the cross, uh, Jesus, he paid the price to do that, we didn't pay the price, Jesus paid the price, he was brutally beaten, he was mocked, and he was spit upon, and uh, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head, and, and they ripped open his flesh with those 39 stripes of the cat of nine tails. And if that wasn't enough, then they nailed his hands and feet to the cross, and they thrust a spear in his side. But not before Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. You see, that is when our enemy was defeated. That is when Jesus descended down into hell and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And I'm thankful that we serve a God who did not stay in the grave, but he took those keys and says, I'm out of here because you don't have power over me, devil. You don't have power over me, hell. And so if we have Jesus inside of us, the devil does not have power over us. For many, the cross is a symbol of, uh, of a device of torture and death. But to the blood-bought believers, the cross is a symbol of victory. That means victory because Jesus is not on the cross. He's not in the grave. And we are not ashamed that our God died on the cross. But we stand in awe that he would even do that for you and me. That the God of heaven who created this world would get off the throne and come and die for you should do something to you. And that message is spread about through all the world, and yet uh, many people don't even think about it. That while we were yet sinners, Christ climbed on that cross and he died for you and for me. And that became a symbol of triumph, a symbol uh, of victory. And in essence, today, the cross has replaced uh, the Ark of the Covenant in, in, in many ways. Because we are no longer under the old covenant laws, but under the new covenant of grace, purchased by the cross and the blood of Jesus. Now, instead of carrying the ark of covenant into our battles, we, we, we proudly bring our cross. Because that's what Jesus said, if you would follow, be my disciple, follow after me, pick up your cross daily and, and follow after me, then you will be my disciples. It's because it's the cross do we have the shedding of innocent blood. It's because of the cross that we have forgiveness of sin. It's at the cross do we find grace. It's because of the cross do we realize that there is power in the name of Jesus, all because of the cross. And so if you want victory in your life, you need to find the cross. If you want deliverance in your life, you need to find the cross of Jesus. If you want a healing, you got to find the cross because that's where it all hinges upon. That is where our victory is. That is where healing and deliverance and reconciliation is, is at the cross. And so anything that you need in your life, you need to find the cross. And at no point in our, our life should we not know where the cross is. 
we don't know where the cross is and we've been we stranded too far from it. And then you got to ask yourself, why have you stranded too far from the cross? What what reasons or decisions have led you uh, far from the cross that you don't know where it is? Uh, and so we should strive to say, stay close to the cross and not dare to get too far from it because once you leave the cross, once you leave the cross, what else is there? What else is there? Where else can you go for help? Where else can you go for deliverance and and, and, and the forgiveness of sins. Who else can you turn to? If, if God died on the cross and that, that doesn't move us, uh, where else are we going to go? That's, way, that's why our victory is always found at the cross and we need to uh, stick close to the cross. As Jesus said, we need to pick up our own cross every single day. Uh, we need to crucify our will, our desires, and our flesh uh, because it's not about us. It's about Jesus and his sacrifice and his will to be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. And, and the only way that that is expressed is when we put ourselves on the cross because we're dying for his purpose. And we know that Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to suffer. And so that really is where the battle is, isn't it? The battle is always at the cross. And so in our text, we see the children of Israel, they, uh, they go into battle against the Philistines. They were uh, fighting the Philistines in their first battle. The Bible says that uh, Israel was defeated and they lost 4,000 men. Now, that is a tragedy because Israel should not even lose. The fact they lose 4,000 is, is uh, doubly bad if, if that is a thing. Uh, and so now Israel um, uh, should not be defeated because Yahweh is the only living God. And when you have the only God going up against no God, you, just, you should be able to just walk over them, right? I mean, there's nothing, no divine deity that's fighting back against Yahweh. Uh, there's nothing except uh, sin and ungodliness. And so God can easily just mop the floor with every enemy of Israelites. And that's what he wanted to do. But it really depended on Israel if that was going to happen or not. And so, um, so what happened was, how was it that Israel was defeated? If they, since they lost 4,000 men in their first battle, they, how is it they were defeated then? And we find an answer maybe in, in 1 Samuel 4 and 3. It says, when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? How is it that we got beat by the Philistines today? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, and when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Ah, okay. It makes sense now. The reason we lost is because we didn't have the ark with us. So we don't want to lose again, so let's go get the ark and bring it out here, and it will come among us, and it will save us out of the hand of our enemies. That's that's what the elders figured out. That's, that's why we lost. We didn't bring God with us. We left the ark back in Shiloh, and we went to battle without him. So uh, shame on us for not doing that. And so we're going to make things right, and we're going to turn things around. Uh, and so thank God we figured out why we lost. We didn't have the ark. And so let's bring the ark, and, and the Bible says when they brought it in, the, uh, Israel rallied, and they shouted, and they shouted for joy and triumph, so much so that the earth shook again and again, and uh, so much so that the Philistines heard uh, all this noise, and somehow they found out that the ark had came, had been brought into the camp of the Israelites. And then what do they, they confess? The enemies of Israel confess that they're, they're stricken with fear. What, what can we do? What, 
Nothing like this has ever happened before. The God of the Israelites just smote uh, the Egyptians. We can't even defeat the Egyptians, and they wiped them out. Uh, and so how is it that we are going to even be uh, victorious in this? We, we, we're so afraid we're not going to be able to do anything because of the ark uh, is now with them. And see, that is exactly what you want to do in battles. You want to strike fear in the heart of your enemy even before you go out and meet them, right? So things, things are lining up, man. This is, this is how it should be done. Your, your enemy should be so afraid to fight you even before they meet you. And so what does that say about us and the devil? The devil is more afraid of you than you even realize it uh, because we have the spirit of God inside of us. We should not fear the devil. God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So don't be afraid and, and tormented by the devil. He's the one that's more afraid of you. Because God is with us and he is for us. And if we submit ourselves to the Lord and we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And so we should not be afraid of the enemy or the devil or darkness or demons or anything like that because uh, they are really afraid of us. They just won't tell you. But the word of God shows us that we have more power and authority over them uh, than they do. Just one of us has more power and authority over all the enemy. And so what would happen if, if all of us just united and got together and said, hey, if one of us can take the whole enemy out, how quickly can we do that if we get together and we go forward in one mind and one accord, pursue it after the will of God and see what happens? So Israelites are, or the Philistines are paralyzed with fear. They, they, they know the ark is coming, and that is exactly a, a, the, what you want to do when you're fighting your enemy. And so the next day happens, the battle begins, the ark is brought out finally. The, the reason why we lost, not, not today, devil, not today, we've got the ark with us, and we're going out and we're going to uh, defeat these Philistines. That's not what the Bible says happened. The Bible says that the Philistines were defeated. 30,000 footmen were killed. And the Ark of the Covenant is taken by the Philistines. How can that happen? They lost without the ark, and they thought the ark was the answer. And it turns out the ark was not the answer. So something else is going on. How is it that the God of heaven allowed his, his ark to be captured by the enemy and allow his people to be uh, destroyed? How, uh, did, did Israel not follow protocol? Did they, did they miss a step somewhere? I know, I know we, uh, years later when David is bringing the ark into Israel, they put it on a cart and uh, Uzziah goes up to studies it and he is struck dead and they realize that this is not the way to transport the ark but it has to be carried on the shoulders of priests. And, uh, and so is this what the, the Philistine or the Israelites did here today that they, they brought it on a cart and they weren't following God's procedure? We're not told that, and so maybe we have to assume that they did everything right because we are told that when David did it wrong, and so maybe uh, let's just go with it. They did it right. They carried it on shoulders, um, uh, on the shoulders of priests. And so, uh, so what happened, as far as we can tell, we're not told of anything uh, outside of what the Bible says of any uh, no, other normal requirements. But it would seem that they did everything right and they followed procedure. But yet somehow God was not with them. Somehow God was not there. Even though the ark was there, it didn't mean God was there. Because they followed procedure and protocol did not mean that God was going to show up because they checked everything off and said, okay, God, now you're showing up because we did all these things. Uh, the presence of God is everything. And without the presence of God, it's just an empty performance. 
Without his presence, it's really nothing. And so as Israel come to find out that you can go through the motions and you can follow the schedule and follow protocol and yet still somehow it is possible to do it all without God. And you say, Pastor, well, that was 3,000 years ago and we don't have the ark and we don't do those things and we have God inside of us and we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost and so uh, everything that we do, God is always there blessing and, and doing things uh, because we, he can't leave us and we've got, we've got him trapped with us and so everything that we do, uh, God is always going to be there and to bless it. But the book of Revelation kind of paints a different picture. Revelation 2 and 1 says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, speaking to a born-again church, church like us, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name and repented of their sins and uh, speaking of the tongues. You got the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the fruit of the Spirit. All of these things in operation here uh, in this church. Uh, it says, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how that hast tried them which say that they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored and hast not fainted. It sounds like this church is really doing good, a good work for the Lord. Right? They, he, God knows of their work. He knows of their labor. All of these things are doing in the Lord's name for his name's sake. Uh, but verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. So how is it that this church, the church of Ephesus can operate and do all of these great things, but yet they left something out? How is it that these great works are done in the name of Jesus, but yet God himself says, you've left me? You've left your first love, and yet you're continuing to do all of these things and, and follow the procedures and programs, and, and I know your works, and I, I know your labor. I know you're doing great work, a, a great work for the kingdom, and I know your patience, and I know you can't stand evil, and I, I know you love the doctrine because you test those that say they're apostles, and they found out liars because they don't adhere to the apostles' doctrine, which you love and you hold dear and you've done all these things in my name's sake and you've got it all figured out you follow the protocol and you follow the procedure and yet all the while I'm not there with you all the while you've left your first love and yet the church of Ephesus thinks everything is fine. Everything is going on and great. Look at all this great stuff we're doing and uh, people that we're reaching and all these things. But yet God says, I know you're working hard. And I, I know and I admire all that you're doing and all the ministry that you're doing and all these things. But still, here's one thing I have against you is that you've left your first love. That somewhere in all of this, somewhere in all the mix, and, and, and the, the programs and the procedures and the, the schedules and all of these things, somehow all, and all of that, I got left out. Your first love is, is not there like it used to be. It's, a, it's like Israelites bringing the ark out into the battle, but yet God is not there. How is it that we can be doing all, all kinds of things, but if we don't have him, we really have nothing, do we? 
He is the real reason why we're here. He's the real reason why we, we have anything, any kind of program or service or anything. It's not about the service. It's not about the programs or classes. No, it's all about him. And if we continue on and, and, and go do enjoy all of these things are great, but with the most important thing of it all is, is that we got to have him. We got to have our first love. We got to stick close to our first. We can't leave our first love in pursuit of all these other things because those things don't matter, really. What matters most is Jesus and our adherence to him and our love for him. God, I want to serve you. I want to be at your feet. I want to spend time with you. That is the most important thing that we can do is to keep our first love close. You remember when that day, that experience, and that encounter you had with Jesus when he, when he filled you for the first time with his spirit and, and you were just overjoyed and, and crying and weeping and, and how your life was transformed. You're just filled with love and the love of God just spilled out over you and nothing would hurt you and you never got offended by anything. No, hey, I'm here for Jesus. He just touched me. I don't care what you're saying or doing or doing. I'm here for Jesus. He's the love of my life and he touched me and blessed me. That's the first love, and that's what the church of Ephesus forgot they left behind because they're doing all kinds of other things. Had a great program and a great Sunday school and a great youth and a great outreach and a great all these things, and they're, they're working hard and laboring. and God recognized their labor, and I know your work, and I know you love the word of God, and you test people, but you're doing all of that. And I'm not even really there anymore. It's like I'm not the real reason for that thing anymore. The, the, the church itself took on a life of its own, and, and it's getting disconnected from, from Jesus. The, the center and the real reason of all that we have here is Jesus Christ, not because of our gifts or talents or our abilities. No, it's simply because of Jesus and his love for us, and he died for us, and that is the most important thing that we can ever uh, realize and uh, uh, grab a hold of and not ever let go is Jesus. Jesus even tells us in Matthew chapter 7, he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And, and many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You see, there's a lot of people out there that can do a lot of great things for God in the name of God and, and know, know and are smart and gifted and talented people and they can do all of these things. Oh, we're doing all of these for Jesus. But what Jesus is saying, that's great. But what I want more than all that is just to be with you. I just want a relationship with you. Everything else, I can handle everything else. Uh, you're, you're not so gifted that the kingdom of God is going to suffer if you're not in there. No, what I want, I want a relationship with you, and then the, everything else is going to work out. I can find, I can call a, a, a teacher, a preacher, or, or a Sunday school teacher. I can call somebody to do some ministry, but what I, what I want most in, uh, out of you is to come and, and to have a relationship with me. And don't, don't let me get lost in all of your work that you're doing for me. Because he is the real reason that we're even here today. Another church we're told about in Revelation 13, or 3, says, under the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would work that thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Uh, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed and 
and that the, same, the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The church in the La- of Laodicea paints a different pictures of different church. But yet still, it was a church called a church, a born-again church. They obviously were a little bit different, but still in the end, where do we find? We find Jesus standing outside the door. Jesus is not even in there with them. And they were much of a, more of a train wreck than, than Ephesus was. At least Ephesus had all these uh, commendable things in their work and, and their labor and all these patients and all these things. Laodicea, they, 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 they were far gone from that. But still, we see that Jesus, you can have a church, you can have all of these things, and Jesus still not be in it. I don't want to go into this year with Jesus outside the door. I don't want to go into this year saying, God, I'm going to do all these great things for you, but leave Jesus here at January 1st and go on and say, God, I'm going to do this and this ministry and, and go and do this and teach this and say all this. I'm going to do all these things, and those are all fine, and we need all those things, but what is more important than all of those things is that we have an encounter with Jesus, that we have a relationship with him, that we don't leave Jesus by behind, that we keep our love close to us, that God, you're the real reason for all of this. You're the reason for my existence. You're the reason that I'm even here, that I have in breath in my lungs, is because of you. Now, we cannot forget you, Jesus, this year. Yeah, we want to do lots of great things for you, Jesus. But let's not forget him. Let's not get lost in the work of the kingdom. And we forget about the king himself. If the king wants to come and sit with you, what is more important than that? It it seems like God wants to do that with us every single day. He wants to be with us and sit with us. And and yet we say, oh, I'm sorry, I got to go do this. And I got to go do this. I'm sorry, I got to meet it. I got to go here and do this. Uh, We're we're such a busy people that we can easily uh, push Jesus right out of our life and right out of our schedule when he is the real reason that we are even here. You stand with me today. We're not going to have any songs at the moment. We see a story. Luke chapter 10 came to pass as they went, and he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and, and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she come and help me. I'm doing all these things for you, Jesus. Now tell her to come and help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, what Jesus cares more about than all the service, all the good works, and all the great deeds that we do for him, and how excited and zealous we get about doing this and this and this, those are all fine and great. But what Jesus wants more than anything is he wants your heart. And he just wants you. Let The ministry will take care of itself. God is working his church. 
you don't show up, it's not going to fall and crumble and break apart. We're not that important in the kingdom of God. God can just call a sinner out today and baptize them, and they can come and do greater things than we can ever do. And we're nothing important in this. Jesus is the center of it all. He is the real reason for us all, and we can't forget him at all. We can't go on this year and say, God, we're going to do all these great things but leave Jesus behind because uh, we justify ourselves because I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm doing this for you. I, I sing for you, Lord. I play for you, Lord. I, I teach for you, Lord. And I, I, I volunteer for you, Lord. And aren't you proud of me that I'm doing all of these things for you, God? And God just saying, why don't you just come be with me? Am I not good enough for you? I, I appreciate, I, I see your labor, and I see your works, and I see your heart to do all the ministry, but what I want more than anything is just to spend time with you, because I died for you. I didn't die for the, for the Sunday school department. I didn't die for a teacher, uh, for a lesson or a program. I died for you, and I want to be with you. That's all God is asking us to do, and if I believe, I know that if we hold Jesus dear to our heart and never let him go, if we seek him like never before, then God's going to use us like never before. But if we get the cart before the horse and we say, we're going to do this and this and this, and we don't bring Jesus along with us, it's all just emptiness. It's all in vain because Jesus is the real reason for it all. And I, and I know that we all have things and we're going to do great things for God. But the message today is, don't leave Jesus behind. He would rather you spend time with him than to go out and do something for him. Because that's where, that's where it all is. And when you do go out, if you spend time with Jesus, can you imagine what kind of works are going to be done through you? In, in Acts, they, they said these are unlearned and ignorant men. These guys don't even know. But what does it say? They knew that they had been with Jesus. See, we want to we do all these things, and God has gifted us with the talents and ability to do these things, and what happens is we tend to lean upon those as opposed to leaning on God. And in, in, in that, we, we can leave behind Jesus and go pursue these things all in the name of God. God, this is for you. God, I'm, my schedule's so booked and I'm so overworked, but it's for you, Lord. Why don't you just come be away with Jesus for a while and, and get rested and get everything you need in Jesus. That's what we want today. And, and to start this year off, if I can uh, get some help, we want to bring out, uh, we want to do, do communion today. You're going to get a couple guys to go in here and grab this table for me right through this door. And so in place of an altar call, in place of, uh, singing songs and, 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 and worship and all these things and uh, using our gifts and our abilities to, to serve him. Uh, I think it's appropriate that this time that uh, we, we go back to the real reason of it all. The real reason is Jesus and that we would not be here if he had not died for us. We would not be here if he would not shed his blood for you and me. We would not be here if his body was not broken for you and I. And so as we start this year off right, I think Jesus needs to be the center of it. And the focal point, not just today and not just today's service, but each and every day as we go forward. And, and whether our great plans and great thoughts ever come to transpire, uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, let not this year pass by. And we get to the end of the year, we said, God, I did all of this for you. And he says, but you didn't spend any time with me. You didn't spend any time with me. I'd rather spend time with you than you go out and overwork yourself to death, stress yourself out and give yourself heartaches and, and heart attacks and all these things. We can easily, we can be so zealous that we, we do our own self-harm. But if we just get back to where Jesus is, he is the real reason for this all. Man, if I can have some, some, uh, some ministers help pass out uh, these things. If we're in preparation for communion, we want to give 
uh, worship the God. We want to thank him for all that he has done and for the opportunity that we even have to do this, that he has died for us, that he's shed his blood, that uh, in accordance to the gospel that we have repented of our sins and that we've searched our heart, God, that uh, all of this is not just a, a ceremony thing or a special sacred thing, but God, this is, this is something that you told us to do, to, re, to remind ourselves of who you are. And that we've obeyed your word and been obedient uh, to the gospel and baptized in your name and we took on your name and we've been filled with your spirit. And so uh, uh, as uh, this time begins, why don't we begin to examine ourselves and and take a moment to God to, to reflect on, on God and yourself that, uh, God, that you would search my heart, God. Search me, Jesus. If there's any wickedness in me, God, help remove it, God. Create in me, God, a clean heart today. Renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's just pray for a moment. Begin to seek uh, seek the face of God. That God, we don't deserve to be here, Lord, today. We don't deserve to be here. Forgive us, Lord, of any sins that we've committed, God. Forgive us, Jesus, of any wrongdoings or any thoughts that we've had or bad deeds we've done or, or, or bad intentions, God. Help us, Jesus, Lord, to, to put you first in our lives, God, that you are the real reason for this all, that we're even here today. Help us, Jesus, so that we don't take part of this unworthily, God, because of the sacrifice and the great cause of it all. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing and what you've done for us, God. We would not be here if it wasn't for you. Let us not leave you behind, God, as we pursue ministry and pursue the things of the kingdom, God, but that we got to be with you first and foremost. Help us, Jesus. Lord, you are the reason that we are here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you want to if you want to participate in this, I ask you to come step step forward and come to the front and take of take of a cup and a a piece of bread as as we contemplate the reason that we are here. It's not about our gifts or our talents or our abilities simply because of what he's done for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Today, when you pick up this piece of bread and a cup of juice, it's supposed to remind us of Jesus. The bread is to remind us of how he was broken on the cross. That he was without sin, but he took your place on the cross. You should have been on the cross. Peter tells us he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. When we eat the bread, we are reminded of the brutal crushing of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the nails were driven into his hands and feet, we are remembering that it was supposed to be me on that cross. That I am the one that is guilty of sin, not Jesus. That all my mistakes and failures put him on the cross. I am the guilty one. But instead, the sinless, the perfect lamb of God took my place. He is the reason why we are here. The cup reminds us of the blood that poured from the body of Christ as it were broken. The blood of Jesus was shed for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And when you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away by this precious blood of Jesus 
we are also brought into covenant with him through baptism. Now, as you drink of the juice, we're reminded that the blood that Jesus took away our sins and we set aside time to share time to share in the Lord's Supper. We are not just fulfilling some kind of ritual in the church, but we make sure that we set aside a moment, a time of reflection where we examine ourselves and we understand that in reality, none of us are worthy to be here. None of us are worthy to be here to participate in this. And so as we have taken these things, why don't we just pray together one more time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we come before you, God. Lord, we are not worthy to be here, Jesus. Oh, God, the sins that we had done in our past, God, did not earn us this place today. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus, to look to you, God, the author and finisher of our faith, God. Hallelujah, that we are nothing without you, Jesus. We would not be here. We would not be here without you, Lord. Search our hearts, God, creating us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us today, God, that we would go forth walking in righteousness, pursuing after you, Jesus, that you are the only thing that matters, God. Help us, Lord, to live righteously and to boldly go before you, God, declaring the gospel, declaring what you've done for us as a testimony of your witness, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Forgive us of any sins that we have committed, God. Oh, Lord, that you've paid the ultimate price. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat of this my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And so let's take the bread as remembrance of his body that was broken for us. After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Now let's take a, partake of the cup of his blood. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we worship you. We worship you. We magnify you today, God. Oh, Lord, we are nothing without you, Jesus. We are nothing without you, God. Thank you, Lord, for being broken and dying for me, God. Thank you, Lord, for taking my place, Jesus, on that cross of Calvary, God. Oh, for bearing my sins, God, that I couldn't even pay the price, Jesus. But we are here today, God, because of that great deed you did, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us to go forward here today, God, and never leaving you or forsaking you, God, and, and keeping you in the forefront of our mind, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. As we close out the service, why don't we just bind together with someone you would pray Pray together as we close out with your family or somebody nearby that we're going to go forward this year, that we're not going to leave Jesus behind, that we're bringing him with us, that he's going to go forward. He's going to be near to us every single day. God, Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. Oh, God, the unity in the body of Christ. God, let it be greater than ever before. 
Oh, God, we're going forward this year, Jesus. Not going to leave you behind, God, but going to seek you every single day. Lord, anoint my brothers and my sisters, Lord. Give them a heart for you, God. A desire to be closer to you than ever before this year. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, as you open doors, God, we will go through them, God, because we have been with you, Jesus, that your love and your life would shine through us and your love and mercy would pour out of us as it has been poured into us. Lord, anoint my brothers. Touch them and bless them, God. Awaken the calling inside of them. Awaken a new ministry, a new desire, a new devotion, God, to pursue after you, God. As we go forward in in your name, Jesus, we're going to give you the praise. We thank you for what you're doing because you are the real reason for it all that we are we're here today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We give you praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You are worthy. You are worthy. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I wonder if we can maybe just close out the song that we don't have to sing. I think we all know it. Uh, Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now I'm found as blind. But now I see. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We are nothing without you, God. Thank you for your grace and your love, Lord. Lord, we look to you, Jesus. We strive to be with you, God. We don't want to leave you, God. That you are the reason for us all, God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Amen, amen. I encourage you to take your zeal and your excitement and your passion for this new year and all the great things you want to do with, for God and in your life. But be sure to put Jesus first. Put him first every day and then we will have the greatest year we've ever seen before. We're going to have revival like never before if we keep Jesus at the center of it all. Amen. Amen. Not just in the church uh, settings, but it has to be an individual one of our lives that this happens and we get a hold of him. Amen. God bless you all. Happy New Year to all. Uh, We love each and every one of you. Amen. Go out and be a light and a witness for God this year, today, and be a blessing to somebody. Amen. You can grab some donuts out there, a snack. If you want to grab a book, amen, we'll have more details of that coming up. Amen. God bless you all.